This is the weekly podcast for Connection Community Church for Sunday, October 4th, 2009. Located in the Middletown, Delaware, we are dedicated to connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. For more information about Connection Community Church and our ministries, please contact us at www.connectioncc.org. If you seek a relationship with Jesus or would like prayer, please call our church offices at 302-378-7692. On behalf of the entire Connection family, we thank you for listening and pray that you are blessed by God's message. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. And I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for this day. This day that is your day and all the days on our calendar, all the days on our schedule are your days. And so open us up now to discover maybe the way that we're wired, the way that you've created us to serve and help us learn more about you, the one who came to serve and not be served. And so we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the book of uh, Deuteronomy from the Old Testament, chapter 6, verse 13, this is what we're told. It says, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take oaths in his name. And so we are to serve God and to serve God alone, only. And yet in our service to God, we are called by God to serve one another. Just as Jesus shared with his disciples that he was called to serve, not be served, and give his life as a ransom for many, we too are called to serve and not be served, serving one another as an expression of our servanthood to God as we follow the example of Jesus the Christ. Perhaps the uh, greatest expression of servanthood before he went to the cross was the night that he had suppers, supper with his disciples the night before he died. Now, in that day of, and time, when you went to someone's house for dinner, it was very customary for a servant to wash your feet. Because in that day and time, it was warm, people wore sandals, their feet were tired and, and dirty. And so it was an expression of hospitality, and it was also an expression of practicality um, as you entered the home of someone who you were invited to dinner with. And so for this last supper, the disciples and Jesus were going to share, they rented a room. They didn't have a place of their own, so they rented a room. And so there was no servant of the house to wash their feet, as was custom. And so in John chapter 13, in the New Testament there, we read where Jesus got up as the meal was being served, took off his outer garment, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water in a basin, and began to wash the feet of his disciples. In other words, he took on the role of the house servant 
since no house servant was there in that rented room. He took on the role of the uh, servant to those whom he was sharing a dinner with. Here we have the very son of the living God on his knees, towel in hand, basin of water next to him, washing the feet of these 12 men. Keep in mind, one of those 12 would shortly betray him. Another of those 12 shortly would deny even knowing him three times. All 12 would leave him, abandon him in his hour of need. And yet he is on his knees washing their feet, acting as the servant of that house. It's an absolutely unbelievable, incredible, awesome model of servanthood. Not only for those whose feet were being washed that night, but for you and me as well. As as Jesus shared with them that that night, we find in in John, John 13, verses 14 and 15, New International Version. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And so Jesus used a towel to dry the feet as he washed them. The towel is a, is a symbol that we use here at Connection quite a bit. We use this as a symbol of servanthood. And, and if, you, if God calls you to be a member of Connection Church... Actually, we've expanded that to be a disciple member because membership oftentimes in places means privilege. But in this case, it means taking on being a servant. And so when people join this church, they're given a towel as a symbol of servanthood because Jesus is our model and we model our lives after Christ. Now... Those of you who are disciple members, when you receive this towel, there's four words that this towel means. Any idea what those four words are? It's it's not about me. When we receive this towel, it's not about us, but it's about those who aren't here yet, those who might Uh, need us in a way that kind of gets us out of our comfort zone to share the love of Christ, this towel, which Jesus used as, you know, in this story in John, is a powerful, powerful symbol that that we claim here at Connection Church. Mm. But, you know, the truth is you don't have to be a disciple member to serve. Christ never said, disciple member, that's when you serve. Servanthood Christ calls us all to serve, and and that's what we're going to be exploring here uh, today in the next three weeks in this message series called I Serve, or I Serve, depending on where you put the emphasis. And then also, that's our spiritual discipline for the month as well. So just face it, in October you're going to be bombarded with this idea of servanthood every which way but loose. So just, just relax, settle in, and be prepared 
to be just inundated with ideas of servanthood. In fact, the spiritual discipline of the month you were given when you came in, be sure to take time to read that and yeah. really take it in. Yeah. And so we thought we'd get things started today uh, exploring what does a servant look like? What is the anatomy of a servant? And you're going to find the towel is going to come in very handy as we, as we look at what a, how, uh, the makeup of a servant. Anatomy of a servant, we're going to start right at the top, not, not with hair or brain. We figure we'll have a brain, and it's going to take our brain, but we're going to go just a little lower into our eyes. You see, a servant must have the eye or have eyes to see the needs around them. Now, for some people, this seems to just come so naturally. It's like, it's like a no-brainer for them. They, they just always are able, without even, even thinking about it, to see the needs around them. Um, you know, I think they maybe have that spiritual gifts that help them with that. You know, uh, all believers are given spiritual gifts. And maybe they have the gift of mercy or helps or encouragement or something like that. And, and I would say it doesn't come natural. In that case, it comes supernatural when we have spiritual gifts. But, um, so, when, you know, when you have one of those spiritual gifts, you just can't help yourself seeing the need around you. But if we have the spiritual gift of administration and not necessarily compassion, then we're not wired that way necessarily to see the need around us. But that doesn't mean that we can't learn that. And so we need to train ourselves. We need to intentionally work on that to be more and more focused to see the need around us. Now, most of the time, people aren't going to tell us that they're in need. And when I mean in need, I don't mean financial or anything. I mean, you know, there's something going on in their life, and they need a friend. They need a prayer. They need some kind of support. And a lot of times, people aren't going to tell you that. And so we need to really work at, if we don't have that spiritual gift of mercy or compassion, um, to tune in to everybody around us. Mm. Yeah, to see the need. I, I'll give you a great example from a few years ago. You probably have many in your life. But I, when I was preparing this, I was thinking about at my previous church, <clears throat> I was in seminary, and I, I uh, <laughs> at a break in class, I I went to get a Pepsi, my foot caught in a step, and I went down about 10 of them face first. And when I came to, I had some stitches over my eye, and I had a chipped elbow. Long story short. That was a great phone call. I, I was lucky to get through seminary alive. I'll tell That's you that whole true. story some other day. But this is one of the reasons. I mean, it could have broken my neck. God, thank you. Just a few stitches and a chipped elbow. But I was in a sling. And so I was at a, a I think it was a Saturday breakfast thing with guys at the church. And course, telling them what happened my arm and on. It was near Christmas, and I don't know if I told them, but they just knew that my yard, I put lights on all the trees, and I think I was saying how difficult it was going to be to get my seven trees inside the house up, and I'd been trying to do one, putting the lights on it left-handed. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty spazzy left. I'm not, I'm not ambidextrous. I mean, it took me forever just to get this one goofy tree up with the lights and all, so Oh, my gosh, these Wait, guys. Wait, the seven trees are his idea, not my idea. So this wasn't something like get the seven trees up with lights I on. I never implied that at all, Okay, honey. I just want everybody to know that. No, there, wasn't no, there wasn't a honey list, a honey list on that one at all. It was Alan's day. It was day. Alan's Christmas And I would have I I left-handed. You know, I got those trees up that year left-handed. But, but these guys were such a blessing because they could see my need. And boom, that morning, Saturday morning, I know they had a hundred other things to do. It was close to Christmas. They probably had their own. Um, to-do list. Anyway, 
they, they came and descended on my house like, woof, and the, the lights on my trees outside, which would have taken me all day and probably two days, boom, a couple hours, they're done. This one guy, uh, Steve, he, was, uh, he taught um, electric trades at the, at the Votech, and I had an outside one of my outlets was shot, I, and I'd been too lazy or busy or whatever to, to, to fix it. He took care of it. I mean, they could see that I was in need, and, you know, and I wasn't going to say, could you guys do my lights, please? But they could see the need, and boy, did they come through. I was tempted to wear that sling every November, <laughs> but I didn't do that. I didn't do it. I held off. Oh, you're so funny. Yeah, whatever. He's like this all the time, actually, so it's pretty fun. Okay, so sometimes it takes us a lot of effort to see the need. And so we might need to have a towel handy to be able to uh, wipe our eyes when they get kind of um, cloudy or clean off our glasses so that our focus can be clear and that we can truly see the need of the people who are in the path that God puts in our path. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we've got ear, ear, eyes to see the need. If we go right around the corner, we've got ears to hear the cries of those in need, to hear the cries of those in distress. For some, again, this comes more naturally than for others, thanks to you know, spiritual gifts or the way, just the way they're wired. But again, even without those gifts, even if you're not wired that way, you, you're trainable. Trust me on this. We're trainable, and we can learn to hear the cries of those around us, those in distress. And the thing about it is, to really truly hear those cries, we need to learn, all of us need to learn to listen, not with just one and not with just two, but to learn to listen with three ears. And you're thinking, boy, that's a challenge. I only got, God only gave me two. I know that's why it's a little challenging, because you got, we've got to learn to listen with that third ear. See, with the first ear, the first ear, we, we listen to what the person is saying, what the person is really saying to us. We, 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 with that first ear, we pay close attention to make sure we get it straight. We maybe ask a question or just to make sure we, we know what they're actually telling us. And so, with the second ear, we listen for what the person is not saying or what the person is not able to say, what the person doesn't want to say. And oftentimes that's even more important than what the person is saying. When I'm out in the field and as a nurse, you know, I go in, I do the blood pressure, I listen for the lungs, I you know, do this physical assessment, but it's really, really important to put on that second ear to listen, to see, to put everything together because I need to really look at how you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. When their facial expression is showing me something very, very different or when other signs or symptoms that aren't on paper that I can't quantitate are really, really there. So it's important to pay attention with that second ear in whatever venue each, all of us are in, whether it's at school, in the workplace, in our home. That second ear is so important to use. So we need to learn that. If it doesn't come natural, to be more responsive, to use that ear. And it can be done. 
It is a challenge, but if we focus, if we train ourselves and awaken ourselves to using that, then, then we can be more in tuned with the people around us. Mm. So with year one, we listen to what they're saying, year two, what they're not saying. Both of those can be challenging, but probably the, 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 the more challenging than either of those is to listen with that third ear. And to listen with the third ear means to listen to what that person would like to say, but just doesn't know how. They, they'd like to share it, but they, they just don't know how to bring that across. Uh, and, and then so you may really have to ask some questions. You may really have to draw out of them. You may have to piece things together because they, they'd love to tell you, but they, they just don't know how. And yet, challenging as it is, it's crucial to be able to hear with that third ear if we're going to truly hear the cry of need in those around us. Jesus. Jesus heard the cries of the needy. There's a guy named Bartimaeus. He was blind. He cried out to the Lord. He cried out, he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Mm. And the Lord heard his cries. Jesus heard the cries of his friends Martha and Mary as they wept over the death of their brother Lazarus. In fact, Jesus heard them to the point where he wept as well. Jesus heard the cries of the woman at the well. Now, Scripture doesn't say she was crying, but believe me, she was crying. Because she wasn't, there were things in her life that just weren't right, and her heart had to be heavy. And so her heart was crying out. And Jesus heard her cries. Jesus listened with three ears that day, for sure. Hearing the cries of the needy, what they say, what they don't say, what they would like to say, but don't know how. It's, a, it's important to keep the servant tale close at hand, because sometimes we get spiritual earwax. You with me? <laughs> and when we get that spiritual earwax, it's hard. And you're not supposed to put anything smaller than an elbow in your ear, right, nurses? So that's why this spiritual towel is helpful to clear out that spiritual earwax so we can closely listen to those people around us and hear the cries of need. Yeah. So we've talked about eyes and ears. Let's move to the heart. The heart. People with... Um, people have a heart sometimes for those around us. Okay? Empathy, sympathy, they're kind of tuned in and their heart just maybe even breaks for people who they come in contact with. There are people who naturally gravitate toward those who are hurting and share their hurts. You know, we just want to say to all of you, thank you so much for sharing our hurt in the last couple of weeks in the death of Alan's sister. Your, your love has just ministered to us in such a powerful way. Mm -hmm. And we thank mm -hmm. you for that. Mm -hmm. Now, some people just seem to have a heart for those around, around them, but some people have to work at it a little bit more. And so, again, we need to train ourselves. If we train our eyes to see the needs, if we train our ears to hear the cries of those in need, then we think that eyes and ears naturally a caring heart will flow out of mm. that. Yeah, when Jesus wept for 
Lazarus when he heard the cries of, his, of Lazarus' sisters. I, I think that showed his heart. But a, but a really great story where we see Jesus' heart is in the seventh chapter of the book of Luke. Jesus is going, um, they're going to a town called Nain, N-A-I-N. You don't hear much about Nain, but here it is, Nain. Scripture tells us that as Jesus approached the town gate, there was a funeral. Scripture says a dead person was being carried out. There was a funeral for the son, only son of a widow. That's real easy to skip over. Okay, only son of a widow, okay. It's crucial to know what that means, though. She had lost her husband. Now she lost her son. In that culture, that was not an equal opportunity culture for men and women. It's important if you had either a husband, a son, a brother, some male in your corner watching out for you because, it, like I say, it was not uh, female, overly female-friendly. So here she is, not only widowed, but now her only son is dead and gone. Uh, it does sound like she had some support, though, because it says to us, a large crowd from town was with her. That's, that's a good sign. Verse 13 is a great, I love this verse. This one says, says, when the Lord, when Jesus saw her, his heart, his heart went out to her. There you got it. His heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. And then he went up, and he touched the coffin. I want you guys to just imagine yourself in this crowd, man. This, this is one awesome day. He touches the coffin, and those carrying it, they just stand still. And then he said, young man, I say to you, get up! (laughs) And the dead man sat up. I guess he popped the top off the coffin or something. Boom! He's sitting up, and he begins to talk. And Scripture tells us Jesus gave him back to his mother. Isn't that a great story? It's all about Jesus' heart. Wow. Mm. Now, um, we're not able to raise people from the dead. Christ does that. But we are able to have our heart go out to someone in need. You know, it's really very simple. It means tuning in. It means uh, maybe just trying to go a little bit further and pick up the phone. That's, that's a novel thing these days. Pick up the phone and just say, hey, how you doing? Or I heard this, or I know you're going through that. Or stopping by, or making a pot of soup. You know, it sounds old-fashioned, but I got to tell you, Facebook and Twitter just don't cut it when it comes to really connecting. And I'm a Facebook person. But it doesn't work in a way that really connects, really shows heart. And so as we model Christ, we too need to um, show heart and tune in to others with our heart. Maybe we need to change it to a face-to-face book. Yeah. Live, in person rather than electronic. Here's a question for you, though. Who is it that your heart breaks for? Who is it that 
that need you in some way. And, and when you really think about it, your heart just breaks for them. You know, it was Jesus' heart. <laughs> it was his heart that, that broke for that woman, but it was his hand that touched the coffin and, and, and brought that man back to life. It was the hand of a servant. The hands of a servant. Let me ask you about this. Uh, what about your hands? Maybe they haven't raised somebody from the dead, literally. But on the other hand, who knows what kind of resurrection they might be capable of bringing about in someone's life if you allow Christ to work through them. <laughs> Why don't you take a look at your hands? I hope you're not as tough a crowd as the last service. Oh, my gosh. I had to ask him 18 times. Look at I'm serious now. Look at your hand. Don't look at me. You know what I look like. You've been looking at us this morning. Look at your hands. Now, you probably wash them, maybe even use a little soap this morning. But have you really looked at them recently? Look at them. Look at me. Look at your hands. Keep looking at them. We'll let you know when you stop. Well, just look at your hands. Just listen to us, but look at your hands. Don't look up here. I don't want to see any eyeballs. Look at your hands. Really? Look at both sides. Both sides. Both hands. Now, here's the question. Don't look at me. Keep looking at your hands because you've got to look at your hands to be able to answer this for yourself. Are they the hands of a servant? Are they the hands that will reach out to someone around you? Are they the hands that offer help even when it's not asked for? Because it might be a guy like most guys who just won't ask for help. Amen, brothers? (laughs) Are they the hands that will reach out to those guys who won't ask for help but still need it? Keep looking at your hands. Don't be looking up here yet. We're looking at hands. Are your hands strong enough to pull someone out of the pit? We're all in pits at times in our life. Are your hands strong enough to pull someone out of the pit, yet soft enough to wipe a tear from their eye? Hmm. Are your hands open, or are they closed? Are you there to offer a hand to those who need it. Okay, you can look up. Boy, that was that hard, was hard wasn't, it? wasn't it? It was tempting to look up. I know, I know. We might want to keep this towel handy as a symbol of keeping the towel in our hands to remember that we are called to serve and to model after Christ, who was the ultimate servant. All right, so we're going to take, go from our hands to our feet. Take off your shoes. We're going to look at No, I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. We're not going to look at our feet here. You can do that when you get home. Just imagine your feet. Imagine the last time you looked at them or whatever you did. Imagine your feet. And here's the question about your feet. Jesus focused on the feet um, of the disciples when he showed them how to be a servant. He was on his knees, towel in hand, basin of water, touching their feet. Here's a question for you. What about your feet? Are you waiting for them to be 
maybe not literally, but figuratively washed by someone else? Someone, are you waiting for someone to serve you? Or are you going to use your feet to go take the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone else? Are you willing to use your feet to go the distance for Jesus and for those around you? Or are you waiting to have yours massaged and taken care of? Here's a great little verse of Scripture. Isaiah 52, verse 7. This is just a glorious piece of Scripture. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. You know what the good news is? That's the news of Jesus, the Christ. Beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. Wow. And so are your feet the feet of a servant? Are you bringing good news by proclaiming salvation? Now... We can do that in a variety of ways. We can do that by sharing what Jesus has done for us in our lives and we're praying with people, or we can do it by our actions. Do you have the feet of a servant? Are you taking that extra mile to help someone in need? Do you know who your neighbor is? You know, up until more recently, we can say we didn't. It just might mean walking to the edge of the yard and saying, hey, you know, we don't know what's going on in the house next to us oftentimes, and they just may need a kind word or a prayer or something that Mm. we may not know unless our feet take us there. You know what? Our feet, the feet of a servant, might mean walking across the kitchen or walking across the living room to serve Our spouse, our child, a friend. Are your feet the feet of a servant? We might need to keep this towel close again because if our our feet are doing the walking where they need to be, we might need to get them dusted off and cleaned off every once in a while because they could get pretty dirty out there. But actually, this is used to symbolically wash the feet of those around us. Mm. Carrie asked, do you know who your neighbor is? You know, in the story of the Good Samaritan in Scripture, Jesus uh, uh, works so that the guy ends up saying, when Jesus said, who is my neighbor? It's anyone that you might be able to show mercy to. Mm. Anyone that you might be able to show mercy to. That's our neighbor. Okay, so we've gone from eyes, ears, heart, hands, feet. We kind of jump hands to feet. I want to come back up a little bit. I purposely put this one to the end, though, because it's our knees. The knees of a servant. Knees of a servant. Jesus, our model, our mentor, was on his knees as he washed the feet of his disciples, towel in hand, basin next to him. He was on his knees as he showed them how to be a servant. On our knees is one of the best servant positions there is. 
We might not be washing feet nowadays. You know, a lot of people are squeamish about us washing their feet. But being on our knees is still a very, very important servant position for us to be in. So let's, let's think about it when we're on our knees. When I was standing up, I kind of felt like I had a little bit of control. I would say power. I don't mean power pastorally, but, you know, you're in a position where you can kind of make a move. When I'm like this, I'm more defense, defenseless. I'm in a very vulnerable I'm in a vulnerable position where I'm in a position actually to receive. When I'm on my knees, and especially if my hands are open, I'm in a position to receive as well. Servants get on their knees. Servants get on their knees because we pray. You pray. Servants get on their knees because we realize that we're not the ones to be served, but we're here to serve. Mm. So the question is this. When is the last time you were on your knees? I mean, I mean, really. When was the last time you were on your knees? This is a symbol of humility before our Lord. If we bow down to the Lord, we realize that we are mortal. He is God. We are human. He is the almighty and the all-powerful. And so a symbol of servanthood is to bow in reverence and love for our Lord and to be on our knees. We're going to be having Holy Communion in a few minutes, and um, we'll have a great opportunity to be on our knees. So maybe you're thinking, I got Betty's. I know I, I'm, I'm with you. I, my one knee's kind of, I think I got a little, uh, missing a little bit of the cartilage or something. But, you know, that's like, if you got the servant towel with you, man, you know, it comes in very handy when you get on your knees. It gives you a little padding. It's very helpful. Encourage you to get on your knees this morning. You can do it at your chair. I've seen people... Lean up, make an altar of the chair in front of them. Lean right there. Come up to the steps or uh, prayer room up in uh, room uh, six, up the ramp and to the left. Uh, some people right back there waiting there if you'd like someone to pray with you. What would you pray to say? I don't know. Maybe it would be God. Give me some eyes, some ears, a heart, hands, feet, servant. Can you help me to be a better servant? Help me to see See the need around me. Help me to hear the cries of the needy. Give me a heart for those in need. Give me, give me hands that, as we said before, can help pull someone out of the pit, but at the same token, maybe strong enough to pull out of the pit, soft enough to wipe a tear from the eye. How about feet that can go the distance and knees that are willing to get down so we can pray? What would you pray for? I don't know. Opportunities to serve. What do they look like? I don't know, maybe it's coming over to my house, putting lights on my uh, trees, you know, in another month. Or 
Or better than that, maybe it's the guy down the street whose grass is this tall. You think he's just lazy, and the truth is his wife's sick, and he just doesn't have time after caring for her. And what a blessing it would be to just take your mower out and get it done for him. Maybe it's a ministry, a new ministry opportunity. I don't know. Maybe it's an opportunity in the church. Maybe it's an opportunity outside the church. Maybe God's got something in store for you that is brand new, hadn't even been dreamed up yet. The brand new opportunity of servanthood. I don't know. I don't know what God's calling you to. That's, that's why you've got to get on your knees. God will let you know. God will let you know. And I'd say today might be the day to find out what that's all about. Or maybe today's the day to meet Jesus for the first time. And how do you do that? You might say, well, first of all, we need to tell you that God's calling you to that. God's wooing you. God's not going to give up on you. So he just wants to have this relationship with you. And you just need to say, okay, here I am. Here I am. And then God will take it from there. And if, if you're at that, okay, here I am point, need to tell you, today's your birthday. It's your spiritual birthday today, and it's important to talk to somebody about it. So Lori Brown, our pastor of spiritual formation, is in the back of the church. Go talk to her about this, because it's really big, and it's worth a lot of celebration, and we're on a journey together. Let's pray. God, um, we hear that fire whistle going, and we are called to be a good neighbor to the fire men and women and emergency personnel and lift them in prayer. Thank you for that privilege. Thank you for their service to our community. Protect them. And whatever situation they're responding to, Lord, put a a shield of protection around them as well. We pray this in your most holy and precious name. And Lord, thank you for joining us here today as we talk about the anatomy of a servant. Help us use the parts of our body that you give us to be all about you. And for uh, those who might be ready to jump in the pool to get to know Jesus for the first time, Lord, we celebrate that too. And we pray all this in his most holy and precious name. Amen. Yeah, Jesus said to his uh, disciples, I came to serve, not be served, and to give my life as ransom for many. When I hear ransom, I think of uh, being held hostage, being kidnapped. And so if Christ is giving his life for ransom, he's giving it for us who have been kidnapped. We have been held hostage in sin. And isn't that the ultimate mark of servanthood, to give one's very life for another, which Christ did for us? That's, that's what we celebrate today as we, um, as we come to his table, the Holy Communion table, because <clears throat> that meal that he was sharing with his disciples as he took the towel and washed their feet was the last meal that he would share with him. That's why we call him the Last Supper. It was the, it was the Passover meal. And he used the elements of that meal as symbols, giving them comfort for when he would no longer physically be there, 
giving them physical reminders, though, that he was still very much with them. And so he took the bread at that meal, and he gave thanks to God the Father. And he broke the bread, and, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup through the vine. Again, he gave thanks to God the Father. Gave it to his disciples and said, This is the new covenant of my blood, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so Christ invites us to his table. It's not our table, it's his table. With these, this bread representing his body, this juice representing his blood. Invites to his table all, all who desire to be in relationship with him, all who desire to know him, all who desire to love him, all who desire to receive the love that he has to offer. Invites all to his table. As we come to the table today, we're going to say a prayer, a prayer, what we call in the church, a prayer of confession. Where we're going to share with God the things God already knows. Those things in our life that are getting in our way of fully connecting with him. Those obstacles to God's grace. Those sins in our lives. God's well aware of them. He knew them before you did. He just wants to hear it from our lips. So that we can kind of clear the path as we come to the table. So I'm going to start the prayer and you can finish it on your own. Gracious God. While we were yet sinners, you invite us to be a part of this uh, Holy Communion. Praise you, Lord. As we come to your table, we know that we are sinners and there's junk in our lives, and we just want to lift those things up to you, those things that are getting in the way of us fully realizing your full grace in our lives. We're going to take a couple minutes to just share those things with you, Lord. Here we go. God, thank you for hearing us in the quiet of this place, in the quiet of our cars, our homes, our workplace, wherever we are. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for your forgiveness and the peace that passes all understanding. Now, Holy Spirit, thank you for this gift of bread and juice. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon the bread and juice, and may they be for us a symbol, an opening to that life in you, forgiveness and peace. We do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We would like to invite everybody who's here this morning who desires a relationship with Christ, who has a relationship with Christ, to come and be a part of this meal, this communion, all are welcome. And so what you do is you come up these, these aisles and you take a piece of bread, the body of Christ, dip it in the cup of juice, the blood of Christ. 
And it's your time to be on your knees, at your chair, on the steps, in room six. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come as you are led. Thank you for listening to our weekly message from Connection Community Church. If you would like more information about what you just heard, or if you seek a relationship with Jesus, please call our church offices at 302-378-7692. You can also find out more about our ministries and upcoming events on our website at www.connectioncc.org. Thank you again for listening, and may this be the greatest week of your life.